You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, as we go to hear from the Lord together, our time of worship in singing and uh, clearly in celebrating the Lord's Supper, spending some time in prayer this morning. All of those are acts of worship, uh, but in the same way, uh, our time in the Word is an act of worship this morning because we get the opportunity to hear from the Lord and what He has spoken to His people. So let me just remind you where we've been over the course of the last couple of weeks uh, was strongly led uh, to engage together in a study of Acts. Um, don't know how far we'll go in the book of Acts, but certainly there are some things at the beginning of the book that we need to see. Um, and in seeing these things, be reminded of just some very basics of where the church is today. And I, I really believe that this uh, time in our lives, this pandemic, as we've been uh, separated and, and now coming back together and trying to figure out this whole thing again. Um, it's really a time of shaking for the church. And I really believe that this is an opportunity for us to evaluate who we really are and what God has really called us to and what it looks like to be the church. And I'm not just talking about Southwide Baptist Church. I'm talking about the church in general. Who is the church and what is what is God established in his people? Yes, in our in our nation, but certainly all over the world. This is a global impact. So what does it look like to be the people of God? And there's some very basic truths that the early church knew before there was any structure, before there was any um, any kind of programs and any kind of buildings. They knew they had to be about a few things. We've already seen two of them. The first was dependence upon his spirit. At every moment of this journey, I, I don't know about you, but I don't have the answers anymore. I, I, there's, it was said uh, last, I believe last week, and one of the one of the uh, phone calls, conference calls that I was on, is that there are no church experts anymore. Nobody knows what to do anymore, uh, and so we find ourselves asking this question: What do we do? And it's the same place as the disciples were. We simply depend upon God's Spirit at every moment, from week to week, even from day to day to day, and even hour by hour. We depend upon God's spirit and we should have been doing that all along, but perhaps now it's even more pronounced. We've got to remember in this time that Jesus is our message. This is not the time where we need to be giving self-help messages. This is not the time to give uh, some some sort of self-improvement uh, talks. This is the time to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because people need hope. Amen. People need the gospel. They need to be saved. If you're listening to us this morning, you don't know Jesus. The greatest need in your life is to be saved, It's to be saved from our sin. And so we looked at these two characteristics. The third characteristic that we come to this morning is one of biblical community, biblical community. 
In fact, this is one of our core values as a church, what we believe, what we confess to believe together. And that is that we believe that biblical community matters. Fellowship matters in Christ. We were just in this text back in September. Some of you who take notes in your Bible may realize that we're just in this passage of Scripture. But it's highly appropriate that we would circle back around to it again on this day, just starting acts, having no idea uh, what the future held for our church as we regather as a church to be reminded that biblical community matters. And by the way, this is not a I want you to understand this this morning. This is not a reopening of our church. We never closed. Amen. We were gathering online. That was different. But now we're gathering together both online and in person. And it is just simply a regathering of God's people because the gather, gathering matters. I want you to hear me say this this morning. The virtual meeting of the church on Facebook Live or any other platform is not a replacement for the physical gathering of the church. We'll say that to you again. The virtual gathering of the church is not a replacement for the physical gathering of the church. We need one another. Not only are we better together, but we actually are following the command of Scripture when we physically gather. Even before we get into the passage that's before us this morning, there are three biblical truths that I want us to be reminded of as we think about our lives together as the church. Truth number one, gathering as the church obeys the command of God. God has commanded us to come together. We see that all throughout the scriptures, this gathering of God's people. But for example, Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is essential because of the command of God that we gather together as God's people. Amen. Can we say amen there? And it's also an acknowledgement of the activity of God. Secondly, gathering as the church acknowledges the activity of God. In other words, it's what God's doing. You say you follow Jesus and you love the Lord. You'll want to be a part of the church because Jesus is actually building his church. That's what he said in Matthew 16 and verse 18. I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter would go on to tell us that he is the precious cornerstone. Jesus is the precious cornerstone. And in Peter's epistle, he would tell us that that Jesus is aligning all of us as living stones around the cornerstone. Jesus, the, the church is what Jesus is doing. It's his activity And then the third truth that we hang our hats on, and I believe this text will build upon this morning, is that the gathering of the church honors the gift of God. I want you to just look around you this morning at the people that are here. Go ahead. Look around you at the people that are here. Maybe look back through that camera lens. We we know that you are there with us this morning, even though that we cannot see you. The reality is... That we are God's precious gift to one another. 
God has given us such an incredible blessing. First Corinthians 12 talks about us being members of one body composed of different parts and each one of us having a gift to use within the body. Ephesians 4 echoes the same thing. We're growing in our giftedness and in using that toward building up the body, which is the church. The church is God's precious gift. Here's the reality. Watch this. We don't have to, nor should we do the Christian life alone. We must do the Christian life together because it's what we are called to. The Christian life is certainly, listen to this, personal, but it is not personal only. It's not meant to be private. The Christian life is public. It is corporate and it is a communal experience. We do this thing together. Going to church will not save you, but the saved will want to gather as the church. And that gathering is not only a community, but it's a distinctly biblical community. At the core of who we are is the belief that we have been born again by the word. So as we come to this this book every single week to hear from the Lord, it is a reminder that this is not only at the center of everything that we do, that it's woven throughout everything that we do. And as we look to God's word, we take all of our cues for living, for fellowship, for singing, for preaching, for deciding, for mission. All of our cues come from this book. So we have a biblical community. What does that look like? Well, I think that Acts chapter 2 is the very first glimpse we have into seeing these three truths lived out. So, if you have found your place here in this room, I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. If you're there at home reading along with us, as we've said each week, I would encourage you to gather around God's Word this morning. And let's give attention to the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, the Bible says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. As any had need and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father, we thank you this morning for your word and we pray that you would speak to our hearts Lord, thank you that we can come and hear from you. Thank you that your spirit is here to be our teacher. We pray for eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray that that you would soften our hearts to obey what we see and hear. And God, would you build us into the people that we see here in this passage, a people of biblical community. And Lord, we pray that that your presence would be among us and the character of Christ would be in us so much so That the world would recognize not who we are, but who Jesus is in us. And that you would be honored among us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys can be seated. And as we continue to study...
uh, God's word together. Let me just kind of bring you back up to speed as far as the story goes. This is, of course, the day of Pentecost and the story is kind of a breath as you're thinking about as we're walking through this narrative. It, it's kind of a, a fast forward kind of a button. If you've ever been watching a TV series and and you're watching the storyline and all of a sudden the narrator comes in and he says, and then this took place and this took place. And he kind of gives you just this 30,000 foot view, this this high paced view in order to move to the next important part of the story. This is what Luke does for us. And he says, as all of these things were happening, this is what life continued to look like. Now, what was it that led to Acts chapter 42 through 47 or Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47? Well, we looked at it, right? It's the the coming of the Holy Spirit. Peter rises and he preaches this sermon. And who does he preach? He preaches Christ. And as he preaches Christ, he, he says to these people, this this Jesus, God is exalted. He was the Messiah. He was better than David. He was he was now the one who is risen from the dead. And that Jesus, God has made both Lord and Christ who the Jesus whom you crucified. Right that moment, the people are are cut to the heart. Why? Because they recognize their sin. They realize that that the very one that Jesus had sent to save them is the one that they put to death, that they once again rejected. And can I say to you this morning that every single one of us by nature has rejected God. Every single one of us by nature is a sinner. We have said, I want my way. I don't want God's way. We've said, I don't, I don't want to follow your rules, Lord. I don't want to be your servant. I want to I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. It's mine. I only get one of these. I'm going to do as I please. Maybe some of you say, well, I'm not so brazen like that. I, I mean, I go to church. I pray. I do some good things. But, the, you know, the Bible says that even our righteousness is as filthy rags on our best day. We cannot please God. And in that moment, I believe that the crowd saw their sinfulness and their need for a savior. And here's what they did. They cried out, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And that's what we called you to last week. That's what we call you to again this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and savior, we, you and I are in need of Christ in the same way. Sinners separated from a holy God. And if you would but put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ today, the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We are not saved by coming to church. We are saved by Jesus. Amen. And in being saved by Jesus, the cool thing that he's doing is is in the early church, there was an, an immediate realization that they were going back into a world that did not follow Jesus and that they needed one another. Not only did they need one another, but it's what what Jesus had told the disciples to to do. Go and pray and wait on the Holy Spirit. The only thing they knew in their lives was doing this Christian life together. And that's the window that we see in the early church. It was a community. You see, the reality is that they realized that the Christian life is not one that you fly solo in. You cannot do the Christian life in silo. The Christian life must be lived in community. 
As you look at this passage, we see it over and over again in the passage. Notice verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship. There's a togetherness even in their study of the word. Every soul was in awe. The end of verse or the beginning of verse 43, beginning of verse 44. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 46, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And at the end, the Lord is adding to their number in the middle of of verse 47 there. There's a togetherness about the gospel. Now, you might argue as we're looking at this passage that this model is immature. You could argue, if you like, that they didn't know what to do. And until they could come together and build some buildings and start some programs that, that they could, didn't really know what it meant to be the church. And so they were still learning and, and trying to figure this out. But we have a more mature model now. We, we live life as the church in a different way now. Besides, the early church had a lot of learning to do and a lot of problems to overcome. And I would say that that's probably mostly true. But there is a certain simpleness to this passage, isn't there? Where they just love their Bibles and love one another and minister to the world and preach the gospel. There's a simpleness to this passage. You might on the other side argue, well, we should just get back to this model. We should stop having church and buildings. We should stop having organized religion. We should stop all of these programs and we should just go back to meeting in our homes. I mean, Maybe we're perfectly fine over the last seven weeks, right? Maybe we don't need week eight. Maybe we just keep continuing like we are and you just continue to sit in your living room. But that is a simple, a simplified and watered down approach to what we see in Scripture. In fact, these disciples, even as they were gathering as the church, they were continuing to meet together, not only in their homes, but in the temple daily. It's an interesting picture. What cannot be argued is that the church was a personal, private kind of experience. It was community, as we see in this passage. But even as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see it not just in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, the same picture. Peter and John are arrested. They're told to not proclaim the name of Jesus. They're let go because they couldn't find any reason to charge them that was legal. And so what happens? They didn't go huddle up in their home by themselves in order to get away from the Roman government. Rather, they said, we got to come together because we need one another. And what did they do? Acts chapter four, they came together and prayed. The whole place was shaken and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see it there in Acts chapter four, Acts chapter six, same picture. There was a need among them. And what did they do? They assembled the gathering in order to provide for the widows. And they called out from among them and the whole assembly took part in calling these men to serve the tables of the widows. You see the same thing. Acts chapter 8, Simon the magician at Samaria. By the time that he came to faith in Christ, Jerusalem would just at the very next stage of the journey would look back and had already heard about this coming to Christ in Samaria. They already heard about the disciples there. Paul, when he was converted on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter nine, when he got to Damascus, where did he stay with the gathering of disciples that were there? 
There's a togetherness. Acts chapter 11, Antioch. You could, you could just keep walking all the way through the book of Acts. And what you'll see over and over again are these pockets of believers where they believed in following Jesus. And in following Jesus, they believed in being a part of one another's lives. And not just a, a, a negotiable part, but an essential part of one another's lives. So I want you to hear this truth from this passage this, this morning and from all throughout God's Word. Believers gather and do life together in biblical communities called local churches. That's the call. That is the essential nature of our lives together. We gather. You believe in Jesus. And by the way, people who are not believers are not a part of the church. The entrance into the church. Notice in the passage that God is adding to the church daily. Who? Those who are being saved. Believers are added to the church. In order to enter into the church family, the body of Christ, you must be born again. And when you become a part of the church, here is the good news of this. That we're gathered not just as the church universal all over the world, but in small local gatherings that are themselves expressions of the greater gathering of God's people. And we will all gather face to face one day and watch this. You don't have to, nor should you. And you must not do the Christian life alone. You must do it together. And they didn't just come to church. The very first couple of words says that they devoted themselves, committed themselves. They they became a part. They joined. They stayed with the church. And that seems to find itself in two expressions. This community, this these regional gatherings when they were coming to the temple, as well as small groups both at the temple and in their homes. So there was the large gathering of God's people and the smaller groups within homes. And this is what we strive to do here through our ministry model. We, we strive through connect groups to have this kind of, uh, this kind of commitment. Back in September, we launched, you'll remember, our connect groups, Fresh and New, and began to meet on Sunday nights some and have meals together and spend time in Bible study. And here, here is what is so unique. I, I, I think just y'all, maybe you see it a different way, but just as your pastor, what I watched as we began to gather in these small groups and focus intentionally on biblical community and, and bringing the Bible to life within our, our lives every day. What I watched is an amazing amount of openness and vulnerability happen and honest relationships with one another where probably for the first time in our church, there was real, candid, honest growth in the lives of a lot of people. It, it was just an amazing thing to watch. Well, of course, that's all changed with the pandemic. We've got to find new and creative ways to do this because the biblical mandate is still there. And, and one day, in the near future, Lord willing, one day we'll be all together again in one place. We're going to keep doing online ministry. I don't know if you realize this, but there's been so many people watching. I, I shared this on one of our uh, streams throughout the week. There's been people that are in, I, I forgot, Michigan. There's There's been some folks in Michigan, Ohio, uh, people in uh, in Canada. There's been people in the Philippines, all over the place. 
that are joining us for worship on Sunday mornings. So we're going to keep doing that. But in the midst of these two campuses, seeing maybe an online campus and a, and a local campus, in both of those, in both of, both of those instances, we have to continue to be the body, one community in Christ. And by the way, this is not just a good suggestion. This is God's design. It's God's design. It's his intent. What we see in the passage is a window into what would later become commands from God that we just read. Those three things, it being the command of God, the activity of God, the gift of God, that would later be taught and it would be taught out of an expression of seeing it in in everyday life, what had become normative for the life of the church in Acts chapter 2. This is so incredibly relevant in our day, is it not? As you think about the church and our relationship to the church as a society, there are those in our society today, there are those, maybe even you online, maybe some of you in this room, who would seek to reduce the church to just simply a building or a set of practices. And that's what the church is. There are some today who would seek to Leave the church to leave it behind as some sort of social construct construct that is created by man. And there are still others who would seek to reinvent the church. Well, let's just make the church new and different. And and most of the time that means adapting to the social pressures of the day. But here is the problem with all three of those positions. None of them, none of them are in obedience to this book. This Book, as we said just a few moments ago, gives us our cues for everything we do. And so we want to be in biblical community. Well, what does that look like? Luke shows us in the life of the early church eight different characteristics, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on any one of these because I want you to see all of them. Eight characteristics of the early church or of a healthy biblical community as we are and as we are striving to be. And all of these are devotion to something. That's how he builds the text. They devoted themselves to what? Number one, they devoted themselves to the word. They devoted themselves to the word. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. You say that doesn't sound like the word to me. That's someone teaching. Well, if you'll remember your Bible, when the early church began to meet, there was no New Testament yet. And the apostles taught, if you will read your New Testament, the apostles taught from so much of the Old Testament as they brought it into the New Testament world, because Jesus was the very fulfillment of all that the Old Testament promised. And so what they're teaching and proclaiming is just simply the way that we're to live according to the gospel and according to Old Testament law as a matter not now of of trying to please God and earn favor with God, but rather because we already are pleasing to God through Jesus. So now we want to live in obedience to his law, his word. And so this life of the New Testament church was Bible centric. I love this term because Bible centric just implies that that all of our thoughts and our actions are pointed back toward the Bible. I love this word that our life is Bible saturated. 
Why? Because the Bible is not just at the center of everything that we do, but it's actually woven throughout the fiber of everything that we do and everything that we are. Every decision, all of our character traits, all of those things come from God's word. And I I think that that rightly portrays what we see here in this passage. The apostles teaching them the word. The Bible is at the center. Colossians 3 and verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that's what we see in the early church. They were Bible centered and Bible saturated. Secondly, not only devotion to the word, but devotion to one another. Devotion to one another. He uses this word fellowship. He says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and The fellowship, the fellowship, the word is an interesting word in the uh, New Testament. It it is not just about close friendships, as you might think of in our day. It's important to see what drives this word. It's the word in the Greek koinonia. And it is fellowship not only with one another, but fellowship with God. And all of that is built on the reality that you and I were created for fellowship, right? We were created to walk with and to know God. And because we sinned, the fellowship with God was destroyed and our fellowship with one another is broken. And so what happens in the gospel is not only does God restore us to himself, but he restores us to one another in working relationship so that we might have fellowship, not just any relationship, but fellowship in his spirit. That is koinonia. Close bond fellowship. Ephesians tells us that Jesus made that possible by purchasing our lives and breaking down the middle of wall of separation between us and God and us and one another by the blood of his own cross. The gospel has changed everything for the way that we relate to one another. And so we are devoted to one another. We serve one another. We pray for one another. We love one another. We put one another ahead of ourselves. Why? Because the gospel's changed our lives. So we're devoted to one another. We're devoted to the word. Third, we're devoted to Christ. Devoted to Christ. So he goes on to say that we devote ourselves to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And he kind of puts these ideas side by side. Fellowship and the breaking of bread. Now, later he talks about eating Meals from house to house with one another. And for those of you who are not Baptist, we're really good at that as as Baptists. Uh, we're really good at having it. This has been one of the hardest seasons for Southern Baptists because we couldn't eat together. I, I just believe that. And the reality is that that's taught in the later part of the passage. But this seems to be pointing to that love feast that Jude describes in verse 12 of Jude. Seems to be describing the Lord's Supper that we just read about in 1 Corinthians 11. And if you were listening closely, you would have heard a lot of togetherness in that passage. Waiting on one another, serving one another, putting others ahead of yourselves, not being divided. There was a need around this Lord's Supper. It was kind of a a renewal of, of the new covenant every time the church participated in it together. The same way we this morning regather and renew our covenant in being together. But the devotion, if you read the Lord's Supper carefully, the devotion is this is my body which is for you, do this 
in remembrance of me. It says it again in verse 25 in 1 Corinthians 11. In remembrance of me. Our devotion to Christ, to Jesus, we remember him through the Lord's Supper. And we do that as often as we eat and drink it. Number four, not only devotion to Christ and devotion to one another in the word, but devotion to prayer, devotion to prayer. Acts chapter one and verse 14, we've already read this, that they after Jesus ascended, that they went and devoted themselves to prayer. And we see them continuing to do that. Acts uh, chapter two, verses 42 and following is no exception to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And it, it's interesting that it's definite, which means this is some action that happened regular, regularly. So like like the prayer meeting, the gathering that, that we when we come together for prayer, we're devoting ourselves. And by the way, praying not just once a day, but more than once a day together as God's people, those hours of prayer. We as the as the church, we've been gathering every day at noon for prayer every single day. I don't know if you realize this, but it has been almost eight weeks now that we've been gathering every day for prayer. I hope that you're joining us for that. I hope that the Lord is using that in your life. And I hope that you're praying with us because we need to be a praying people. We need wisdom. We need God's leadership. We, we need God's spirit attending our witness that there might be power for the lost to come to salvation. We need God. So we must devote ourselves to prayer. Fifth, devotion to the ministry. Devotion to ministry. Verse 43 says that all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. The, the description is that they were, they were providing for one another as there was need. It even says that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to anyone who had need. And I just want you to hear, God has blessed us in some very rich ways. We, we as a people, by God's grace, have just been so blessed. And we've been given the opportunity now to take the resources God has given us and to minister to others. And we need to be faithful toward that end, to minister to one another. And it's one of the pillars of the New Testament church that they saw it their own personal responsibility to meet the needs of people, to meet the needs of people, devoting themselves to ministry. Number six, sixth characteristic, there was devotion to worship, devotion to worship says that day by day they were doing two things. The first is that they were attending the temple together. Now, that was a Jewish practice in the day, but the equivalent in our day is coming to a place like this and gathering together as God's people for worship every single week in a disciplined way. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't miss a week from time to time, but here's what that means. It means that we sacrifice. Listen to me carefully. That we sacrifice all matters of secondary importance in order to make worship primary in our lives. And to be honest, we are so quick to put the smallest things in front of worship. And it's not because legalistically that we have to go to church because we've always done it that way. It is because we are the church 
and we gather. And community, biblical community, is essential according to God's word. And so we devote ourselves to worship, the togetherness of it. For us, that Sunday mornings. And other times we have other things that are happening, small groups and otherwise. But this main gathering is where we give all of our effort to to be together as God's people. Number seven, two more characteristics that we see. Characteristic number seven, devotion to daily life together. So they were doing two things. They were attending the temple together. The second thing they were doing is day by day. There's the daily part. They were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. And I, I just see that as fellowship meals together, not necessarily the Lord's Supper, but they were just doing everyday life together, eating together, spending time together. Now, would not have encouraged you in the last seven weeks to do that. Shelter in place means shelter in place. And we do that for the safety of the health of those uh, around us. We, we want to love our neighbors. We love our church family. And we encourage that. But as this lifts, spend time together um, as you have opportunity and make opportunity, invite people into your home and, and go into other people's homes and spend time together as God's people. And then number eight. Devotion to disciple making devotion to disciple making. At the end of the story, the window <laughs> You see all of this happening, all of the life of the church. It is not by coincidence that out of the overflow of that life, that God keeps adding people to the church daily who are being saved. Because here's what happens. You come to faith in Jesus and you go, I want to be around these Jesus people. I just want to, I want to be with you guys, love you guys, love spending time with you, sharing together in what we're learning and what God's doing in our lives. But you know what? I got people around me who don't know Jesus. Would you pray for them? I, I have relationships in my life that, that these people around me, they don't know Christ. They don't have any hope. And, and I want to see them saved because this life that I've come to know isn't like the life that I left behind. Amen. The life that I've come to know in Jesus is totally different from the life that I left behind. That life was one of destruction. This is one of new life. I was an old man. Now I'm a new creation in Christ. I was destined for an eternal hell. Now I'm headed to heaven. And I want to I want everybody around me to know that hope in Jesus Christ. So as the community of faith is celebrating that good news, celebrating the gospel, preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, it just so happens that others come along for the journey as well. And it is not by coincidence. Because the spirit of the living God brings conviction to the hearts of sinners. I, I just may, maybe maybe I'm a crazy nut brain preacher. <laughs> but I just believe that as the church has found the gospel to be the good news and is faithful to proclaim the gospel, that the spirit of the living God is the power of God in the gospel to bring people to salvation. I just believe that with all my heart, that if we would celebrate what Jesus has done, that people would see our lives and hear our testimony and trust in the God of the gospel. I want to invite you to bow your heads across the room and call us this morning 
to be that community of faith, to be a biblical community. If you are joining us online right there in your living room or your home, whatever room that you're in or wherever you may be today, we call you to the same thing. Maybe you're a part of Southwide and I want you to just hear this morning. We miss you and we we are longing for the day that we're all together again until then, we, we are just excited that we can gather together like this in two campuses and we can worship the Lord together. And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Your part in the body of Christ matters. Jesus is worthy of all of our worship. And maybe you find yourself in the category of not making worship or not making the church gathered your priority. And I want to call you to turn from that today on the authority of God's word to make once again, make church your priority, not because anyone else expects you to, but because God is worthy of it. Jesus shed his blood for the church that you don't want to be with. And his blood, his blood is more precious than anything we could ever know. And it's through his blood that we have been saved. There may be others of you that are listening into this live stream this morning, or maybe someone sitting here in this room that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're like the crowd. You hear of your sin and your separation from God. And you say, Pastor, today I want, I want to trust in Christ. I, I want to believe the gospel. Can you tell me about that? The Bible teaches us that Jesus died for our sins In his blood, our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. And if we would put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ today, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The crowd said, what must we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. In other words, repent and confess Christ and live a life of obedience toward Christ. Give him your life today. Would you do that right there in your living room, right there in the pew where you're seated? Would you trust in Jesus today? Confess your sin before him. Ask him to save you today. Knowing he is your only hope. Believe upon Christ today. In just a few moments, we're going to dismiss our time of worship together. And we traditionally end our services here at this campus with an altar call. These are strange times. But it doesn't mean that we can't make decisions for the Lord here in the just the next few moments. Here's what we're going to do in this room and online. If today there's something that you need to come to this altar and pray about, we want to invite you to do that. If there is something in in your life that you just need counsel over, I'm going to be here down front. We'll have deacons that are here and ready to respond. Uh, if if there's other needs, you just want to come and spend some time in this altar. You're welcome to do that. In a few moments, we're going to do we're going to do one action. We're going to dismiss the room and we're going to call you to come to this altar. They're going to start some music in the background so you can spend some time with the Lord. There's no rush spending time before the Lord today in his presence. If you're online with us, you obviously can't come to this altar And so there is a link that we want to give you. That link is mydecision.southwidebaptist.com. Mydecision.southwidebaptist.com. If you would go to that link and fill out your information, 
There's a place where you can indicate on that that uh, form your decision today. Maybe you want to follow Jesus. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you. Maybe there's some other need in your life or there's some other decisions. Fill that out and send it in to us. We'd love to help you more. Reach out to us through Facebook. Don't do this alone. This is a journey that we take together in following Jesus. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and then we're going to open our altars and spend some time with the Lord today. And in, as we dismiss, I want to just say thank you for being here in worship today and, and gathering with us as we worship the Lord together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day of worship. God, we recognize you as our creator and the one who is worthy of our worship, but the one whom fellowship has been broken with. And so for the sinner today, we pray, God, that you would convict them of sin and call them to repentance and faith in Christ. Those that are gathered in this room or online, whatever the case is, we pray for that. We pray, God, for repentance and faith. And God, we ask that in, in our hearts that you would remind us and encourage us to be faithful to the biblical community because you are worthy. So, God, thank you for what you're doing in this place and in hearts online. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. You go and fill out that link. The altars open this morning. Even as the music begins to play, you come this morning. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.